The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 465. I have a returning guest for the show, a, a good friend of the show, a great writer, and uh, now radio host and podcaster extraordinaire over at rotowire.com. You can find him on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. James Anderson, how we doing, man? I'm good, man. Uh, getting called the podcast extraordinaire from the podcast extraordinaire. Hi, Chris. Well, yeah, you took you took the reins this off season, which was good to see. You're running the 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 Wednesday prospect show now. You got the radio going on. You're a, you're a busy busy man in the the rotowire stuff. So, why don't you like remind everybody of all the content you got over there and uh, how they can check it out? Yeah, uh, rotowire.com/try for a free 10 day trial, uh, no credit card necessary. That gets you access to my top 100 prospect rankings, which I update uh every six to eight weeks in season and then it also gives you access to my top 400 dynasty rankings which are updated uh, about as frequently as the prospect rankings and then uh usually write you know one article a week uh maybe every maybe one every two weeks uh, depending on how busy i am 
And then, yeah, the, the Roadwire Prospect podcast every Wednesday, Farm Friday on XM Radio every Friday. Um, and that, that probably covers it. Yep, yep. Busy, busy stuff over there, but always good content at Rotowire. So appreciate you joining me. And uh, we'll talk about some of the slew of Aiello uh, news that came out the last day or two, which is pretty crazy. And then we'll get into the prospect talk, which everybody's w- uh, looking forward to and maybe suspect prospects for later in the season. But we don't have to go deep in this. I just want to let the listeners know if they're looking for their weekend lineups. J.D. Martinez and Springer left Wednesday's game. They're not in Thursday's lineups. So keep an eye on that. And we haven't seen Washington's lineup yet with Josh Bell. So pure speculations there, but just keep an eye. did want to ask you, with Jose Altuve hitting the I.L., which is um, supposed to not be too serious, but it is a hamstring injury. We know it doesn't run as much as he once did. Um, are there any concern with Altuve? And with Jeremy Pena leading off, I know we have him kind of scheduled later in the show. That What's that do for you and uh, an outlook on Pena? Yeah, we might as well just cover Pena now. Yeah. Uh, Pena's Pena's been awesome. I think he, of, of any prospect who is off to a good start, I think I'm buying his good start the most. Uh, I think he's just, uh, he got, like, he'd always been um, a guy that was sort of top 200-ish prospect for me, uh, kind of in the 150 to 300 range. Uh prior to the, you know, the shutdown, the COVID um, uh, year, but he really put a ton of time in and uh, bulked up, just got, got a lot better on his own. I think in in the time when we weren't really seeing him and then obviously it was great in a small sample last year, but uh, just, I don't really see any cause for concern with him in terms of regression. Like he probably won't hit above 300 at the end of the year, but I think he could hit above 275. Uh, he's just really, really good. And um, I don't know where he slots in once Altuve comes back, uh, but he, I think the days of him hitting, you know, bottom third of that lineup are probably over. Yeah, that's, it'll be interesting because Dusty, as a former Giants manager, I've, I've experienced the Dusty headaches for, firsthand and, um, people are mad because Tucker's hitting sixth and this and that. I mean, you know, Tucker's starting out the gate slow, but we know how good he can be. And Pena, yeah, Altuve will lead off, but I'm with you. Like, do you bat him second? Do you move Brantley maybe back a little bit? Do you move – because you can't, you know, like say bat him eighth or ninth with the McCormicks of the world down there and and, and kind of, you know, hide that uh, that that prowess. But maybe that's a, the luxury that the, the Astros have with so much talent too. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm with you there on Pena. It should be fun to see. I'm kind of mad I – wasn't as aggressive on him in draft season because people were kind of chatting him up and you know Rob Silvers of the world were all over him. I know you guys liked him, but I didn't think he'd be this good. I can, you know, there could be some regression, but in the whole, like you said, 270s, 275s reasonable, which should be um, quite intriguing in that offense and that uh, division to get some, uh, some noise there. Andrew Heaney, shoulder injury. Everyone was all hyped up after the 10 Ks on Sunday. Uh, he was a popular waiver wire ad. We're available. He's had injury history in the past. We know he's still a massive home run to fly ball guy. Maybe the new whatever ball they're using or whatever could have helped him because the, the home runs aren't happening. But he's going to be on the IL with a shoulder injury. We don't know the severity. At least I haven't seen the severity of it just yet. Um, but anytime you hear shoulder injury, it's never a positive thing. So how are you assessing this? It opens the door for Tyler Anderson. Any interest there? Like basically, is, is Heaney a drop in any leagues for you or are you just kind of being patient right now? Um. 
I would probably hold him at least for like another until we get a bit more clarification, unless it's a shallow league where there's just a, a really solid starting pitching option out there for you. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I'd add Tyler Anderson. Uh, he's pitching for the Dodgers is, is about as good as it gets. So, and he, he's shown uh, strong skills in uh, some past stops where it wasn't as favorable of a situation. So, um, yeah, I would, at the very least, I would stream Anderson in good matchups, but he might just be a guy that I would happily start against most teams in like a 15 team league. Yeah, in a deep league for sure. You, you can look at him and he should be available this week. And so I'm curious to see where he goes in those NFPC formats, like who the, the wonderful Todd Whitestone and James Anderson combo uh, puts bids in for him and sees where it goes. But uh, it'll be fun to see for sure. Uh, going to Detroit now, you know that we've, we've many of us have been excited with the young arms of Scoople and Mize and Matt Manning had a rocky road last year. We saw the increased velo and we're kind of like hyped up like, OK, this could be a, a thing now. He might be getting it going. Well, he's on the IL with shoulder inflammation. The reports came back, no structural damage. So that's a plus, obviously. But still, again, shoulder injuries, you kind of have to wade the water. He's young, so I don't think they want to rush him back and do anything there. What's your thoughts on Matt Manning? Like, were you are, were you excited about the improvements we saw? Were you kind of buying in? Is this one of those things, obviously, we have to wait and see. But what, were your, your, what was your outlook on Manning? I'm curious on that. Uh, I was pretty scared off of him by – uh, how he looked last year and just the lack of swing and miss stuff. And he, you know, the strikeouts weren't really there. Like he was having success um, in a really small sample this year, but uh, the strikeouts still weren't really there. So uh, I, I don't have him anywhere. Um, he, he definitely was pitching better this year than he was last year. And I had kind of always been a little worried that he was pitching injured last year because of uh, that injury he dealt with uh, at the end of 2020 um, that never required surgery. And I was wondering if that was sort of what led to his downtick and stuff. Cause I mean, strikeouts used to be back in like 2018, 2019, Matt Manning, like the main appeal was like, this is a guy that's going to miss a ton of bats. And that just hadn't been the case last year, still wasn't the case this year. Uh, so I, I'm not sure if he's the same guy that he was at the peak of his prospect uh, value, but um, it was an encouraging start to the year, even without the strikeouts. But I, I would probably cut him at this point in, in most mixed leagues. Yeah, uh, I I haven't found myself finding the interest enough to add him before this, so I'm kind of out. But I was curious because there was some kind of hype, like you mentioned, the, the strikeouts in the minors. You're like, okay, this could be something. And then the increased velo was getting some people hyped up on him. But it was tough. Like, we've already done the Mize roller coaster, and he's banged up already. And then you have Scooble, who's looked better, but there's still, like, some question marks there. So the future's bright in Detroit. It's just they got to make a few more, <laughs> few more adjustments, it looks like, to make things happen. Um, the Reds, Tyler Naquin goes to the COVID IL, so that's not as big as an issue, hopefully, as we want. But Mustakis goes on with a, a bicep strain. Jonathan India's got the hamstring injury. They're both saying these injuries aren't supposed to be too severe, but it's more of like an early season. Let's rest these guys instead of just ride them on the bench for a few days. But there's still maybe slight concerns. India, you're not dropping, obviously. You're, you're hanging on there. But Mustakis, is he a drop free now in most leagues? Um, probably situation dependent. Like if, uh, you know, that you can be in a tough spot at third base, 
uh, like you can look at the waiver wire and be like, man, like the, none of these options are, are palatable at all. So if, it, if that's a situation, you have a deep bench, you can maybe hold him. But uh, if he was just kind of a bench guy for you to begin with, then easy drop. And if you can find a, a solid third baseman, then also an easy drop. Just for fun here, um, it might have to be a 15-team league compared to a 12, but would you be willing to drop Mike Moustakis for Michael Franco? Uh, and I'm would I, I mean, I, I would if I need <laughs> if to. you needed a third baseman to like play him. If it, like if Moose yeah, wasn't your yeah. bench bat, would you be into that? Yeah, like if I might see myself slotting Franco into my lineup, like based on lack of options, I absolutely would do that. Okay. I mean, he's he's playing, and yep. like I don't think he's gonna have a super productive year, but he's he's playing pretty much every day. Yeah, no, I just wanted to bring his name up because he's he's not like horrific right now, and he like you said he's playing every day, so it's and he's batting like fifth behind Cruz, and well, we'll see if Bell and and Soto, so. There's got to be some fantasy value out there with Michael Franco, which he always lures us in just to make us frustrated year in and year out whenever he finally gets a spot. Uh, the last bit of injury news I have for now, and there's much more, but uh, these are the, the main names for now. Alex Cobb goes on the IL with uh, m- more the easy way to say it, a groin injury. They, they've said like a, a doctor and all these things. It's a groin injury. And they're saying it shouldn't be too severe, but you know you got the Nick Savalis out there. You have um, many other great Twitter follows. Um, and uh, Derek as well. Derek, I was totally blanking. Derek's out there. They're saying it's like they're they're hoping for two weeks, but it might be more like four weeks, just because like that whole muscle situation can be rough. Um, the Giants have not announced a fifth starter yet because they don't need one next week technically. So the speculations I've had is maybe Beatty, maybe Jacob Junis. Like there's in-house options. What are, what's kind of your guessing, I guess, on this giant situation? And Cobb, you're not dropping, but it's it's a frustrating situation. Yeah, super frustrating. I mean, I, we, you and I talked about him on the XM show last yeah. week. He was, I think, he was. If he could have gotten, if he could have gotten like 160 innings out of Cobb this year, I think mm-hmm. he could have finished as like a top. I think he would have finished as a top 20 starter with 160 oh, yeah. innings. Uh, the rate he was going. Um, I mean, tomorrow they've said is a bullpen game, but Beatty does line up for tomorrow. So he could maybe pitch three innings in that game, and then he could maybe pitch four or five innings next week. So I, I would think Beatty, but Junis would be the, the other obvious option. Yeah, I've, I've been leading Beatty. That's been my kind of go-to with, I think it was Toby on our show this week or someone else put Junis's name into my head, and I'm like – Kind of makes sense, I guess. That's why Farhan makes these moves for like the B, the the Junuses and the Boyds and Boyds hurt, but he'd be another one. Uh, just like that's why he makes these moves is for these mm-hmm. situations. And I said it before the season. You look at the Giants' rotation; it's outstanding, but all five of them have injury concerns year in and year out. So you need to get the Junuses of the world and to to be able to fill in for five six starts. Um, I hope it's Beatty. I'd like to see it be Beatty, just because I think there's something there coming back from injury. See where it goes, but uh, it'll be. Quite interesting to see where the Giants move with this one and the creativity that they use. And the fact they haven't made any major moves does make me believe the injury's not super serious. Like if it was a, a month plus deal, you might see Farhan out there grabbing someone else too, but uh, we'll see where that one goes. All right, let's get into some of the prospect talks. What I wanted to bring James on, of course, is for his expertise in this situation. And uh, for once, with the, the new agreement maybe, or just because baseball realized it should be fun again, we can have either theory on this. 
there was a lot of prospects starting out the season on the bigs, which was awesome to see. Um, not all of them are doing very well to start out the season in the bigs, and that happens. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what you're seeing, what your like outlook is. Like, are these guys droppable? Are they like, let's hold, hold, not panic? And then towards the end, we'll get to some guys that are playing in AAA and AA right now that we might see later in the season. So we'll start with the one of the big ones, Bobby Witt Jr., who was batting second for the Royals most of the season. He's dropped down to seventh in Thursday's lineup, which might be good for him. Might like take some pressure off of him and see what happens. But it's been it's been a rough go for Witt. You don't have to sugarcoat it in that regard. Hitting a buck twenty eight, um, you know, three runs scored or four runs scored, three RBIs, striking out thirty two point five percent of the time, which is not Witt like. So what's your thoughts on Witt, who just like blew through the minors? And obviously it's a big adjustment that he's making right now. Yeah, I was I wasn't interested in Witt just because of the price this year. And it and the reason was just because this was an outcome that was very possible, right? Like I don't if you're really shocked by his start to the year, then I think you just were kind of missing um the risk involved with uh, this type of prospect. He, he'd been a high average guy in, in the upper levels and the strikeout rate wasn't like 30% or anything, but uh, swing and miss has kind of been the one uh, question mark with him ever since he came into pro ball and running a strikeout rate in the twenties last year at triple a still isn't, isn't great. Uh, even, um, for a guy as young as he was. So uh, I guess this is kind of maybe the worst case scenario in terms of where you'd think he'd be uh, two weeks into the year, but uh, it shouldn't be that surprising. I, I agree that dropping him in the lineup could help, and I, I maybe I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they should have just opened up the year with him hitting six or seven. Agreed. Uh, and kind of let him sort of earn that, that move up into the top three of the order. But uh, – Definitely a hold, and given the the potential for for stolen bases, I think you got to leave him in the lineup, uh, unless you're talking about like a, a ten team league or maybe a league that's not roto. If, if you're playing in a, a points league or something like that, um, maybe you could throw him on the bench and see if he can kind of snap out of this. But in a even in like a twelve team roto league, I'm, I'm probably just leaving him in there, but. I did think he was getting overdrafted. You weren't paying for the best case scenario where he was going, but you were you were paying for maybe 85th, 90th percentile scenario where he was going. Yeah, and that's how I feel with Witt. I, I for those that have listened to the show enough, like I did a I broadcasted a live OC and I said like one I always do like one late draft where it's like just a FOMO draft. Like these are guys I want to have just in case. So I, I took wit in one of those drafts. The only only league out of like my twenty leagues, DC's all whatever, that I have Bobby Witt. The only one I took him in because I'm with you. The price was pretty pretty wild for a guy we haven't seen do it. And I I still believe I think most would agree he's gonna be a pretty darn good ball player. But it's just uh this is what happens and a lot of these guys we're gonna talk about are doing the same thing right now. Um I think they should have started him at seven. The biggest thing I, that I took away from what you were saying that I, I wanted to get across to the listeners, because I know you probably get a lot of questions like I do that uh, like panic mode sets in. It's like, should I drop this guy down? Like, no, you don't drop Bobby. Like you, like you in fact said, you keep playing him for the most part. And that's what I've been doing in that one league I have him in because I think his talent is good enough that he could just click. And it would just be like, then you'd be so mad when you, he clicks on a Tuesday and for six days, he's just crushing it on your bench. Um, 
the thing with the also with Witt that I like to to throw in there is the Royals as a whole have been disastrous offensively. So that's yeah. not helping him out at all either. So that'll be something to think about. Yeah. Uh I mean they've been disastrous in the majors and in the in the minors. Like I don't I don't know what's going on with Kansas City right now, but like almost all of their notable hitters are just not hitting well, um, whether it's big leagues or triple A. So um pretty interesting. Which is so weird because like I know spring training, spring training, but they were just they were raking in spring training. So it's like what just dropped off the map with well, is it the cold weather? What is it? I don't know. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, speaking of cold weather, we'll go to Detroit here where Spencer Torkelson got a, a slow start to the season for sure. He's only hitting a buck 94 with two homers, but a lot of his good production has come over the last like five games or so where he, he seems like, I don't want to say figured it out because that's like too quick, but he's starting to get a little more comfortable. Let's put it that way. And um, I saw him in the fall league this last year, and I know you've been to the fall league before, and the big prospects when you sit there, there's like a buzz, an obvious buzz when they come up and Whenever Torque was on deck or in the box, the buzz was there, and the dude would hit lasers. Like it was impressive watching him hit, and I, I, I wasn't worried about him figuring it out. I'm just kind of, I was more worried about playing time, honestly. But uh, what's your outlook on Torque the rest of the way? Who, out of all the guys we're going to talk about right now, looks almost the most comfortable? Weirdly enough, yeah, he's it's it's just it's a it's a skill set that I think is very like the format you're playing in is going to matter a lot for how valuable he is because he's, he's really operating like a kind of like a three true outcome type of guy right now. A ton of walks, decent amount of strikeouts. He's tapping into his power. Uh, But I don't, and he kind of, this is kind of how it was at at double A and triple A too. Like this, I don't think this is going to be a, I don't think he's going to develop into like a Freddie Freeman type of first base option where he's just a a monster in the four traditional Roto categories for a first baseman. I think he's more along the lines of, uh, you know, very good version of like Reese Hoskins when, when Hoskins is healthy and in his own where it's just a ton of power, ton of OBP, um, and I think I think that's what you're going to see from him this year. I, I I mean I don't expect him to get to 30 bombs as a rookie, but uh, he'll he'll hit 20 plus this year, I would think, and he'll get on base at a solid clip. But probably um, I would I'd be hoping for like a 245 average from him this year. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome because I was kind of bullish on him, like I said, between playing time and you know, I just, I wasn't sure if he was ready just yet. But I was I'm not, I'm already feeling wrong, and I know a lot can change, but. Um, It'll be interesting because that hit tool is legit, and uh, the steals is a thing. But where you're drafting him, it wasn't the end of the world. Thank goodness. So we'll see where where Torque uh, continues to go in this one. Let's talk J Rod. Julio Rodriguez took. You know, he's been taking prospect worlds by storm. But he, the spring training was outstanding. We all saw the clip when you know he was on the told he was being on the team. All the, all that great stuff, and it was a, a rough go to start. It's still not ideal, but. We've seen him hit safely in three straight games, five of the last six. He's got a hit in each one of those. He has uh, four stolen bases now on the season, three over the last six games. He's walking at a decent clip, but still a lot of striking out, which is which is problematic. He's not barreling the ball. He's got like a 61% hard hit rate over the last six games, so he's, he's hitting it hard. He's just not elevating it, it seems like, so he's getting the base hits and, and stealing bags. Um, there's two questions here. What's your thoughts on him going forward this season? 
And B, do you foresee a chance where it's like Kalinic last year where we see him get sent down? Because the, the Mariners do have a lot of options here, unlike some of these other teams we'll talk about. Uh, I I think he's a really good buy low right now. Um, I, I think like he's he's a better prospect now and two weeks ago and six months ago than Jared Kalnick ever was. And so I I know they're in the same org, but I don't think it's it's an apples to apples like that type of thing. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible that he gets sent down. Obviously, if if uh, he just really scuffles and Kyle Lewis is healthy and um, they just kind of want to get him seeing the ball a little bit better. I mean, actually, I take that back. Like he's seeing the ball really well. I think uh, yep. the umpires. I mean, this has been kind of a big thing. Like they've been good point. Squeezing him, uh, whether it's all intentional or whether some of it is just bad umpiring or whatever, like it's almost impressive to me. Just like you see those um, those zone pictures of all of his like called strikes that are just outside the zone, and him having the eye to lay off those pitches, but not getting rewarded for it. Uh, so. The, the nice thing about Julio, like, even if you compare him to, like, Bobby Witt, um, Julio is running a ton, and that's that's great, right? Like, if if he were just sitting there with no homers and one steal like Bobby Witt, uh, it'd be really frustrating, especially if you if you bought into him late after he'd already made the team. But uh, he's helping you in speed, like, it, significantly so far. So uh, just the fact that he's stealing bases like that while he's struggling to get on base tells me that once it clicks and once he's the guy that, that I think he's going to be long-term, then you're talking about a guy that's going to be a 20 plus steal threat. So uh, I, I think he's a guy that I would be leaving in my lineup, of course, in, in Roto leagues. And if you can trade for him in a dynasty league right now, I would, I would jump all over that. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, just what I've seen in the last few days, like I said, five or six games hitting safely. He's got three steals over that stretch. He's just – he's getting close, it feels like, where if he – because that – you mentioned the plate discipline. I forgot to talk about that. The the squeezing's huge. Like, um, the comparison to Juan Soto's plate discipline is probably way off, but he's got that feel. You'll watch him track the ball just like Soto does, and he sits there and he stares right at it and goes, that's not a strike. Um, like they, He doesn't, like, one-up the ump, but he stares right at it and goes the way Soto does. He's like, that's not a strike. So he's got that vision where it's, um, again, not comparing to probably the best in baseball at it. But uh, he, for a young player, it's very impressive to see what he can do. So when he stops getting squeezed and a pitcher now all of a sudden has to groove one to him to get a strike, well, then the fun can begin. So that'll be uh, real intriguing to see with uh, J-Rod how that one comes along. It's like C.J. Abrams. Many were excited about C.J. Abrams coming up. I was kind of torn, like, when's he going to play, like, consistently-wise? And that's kind of been the case. He's gotten more time than I, I probably thought, but there's there's a lot of mouths to feed there, and eventually Tatis will come back, which might end this whole parade. But um, what's your thoughts on C.J. Abrams the rest of the way, who I just haven't really bought in on just yet? Yeah, I think that it was kind of a – it was kind of a desperate move on the part of the team – to break camp with him uh and it's nobody nobody should have been confident or expecting cj abrams to to be ready to hit big league pitching this year there's just no if he had if he could hit big league pitching at a a high level this year that would be 
extremely remarkable given his experience and the fact that he uh, has barely played above rookie ball. And so I think it was just a case of uh, the Padres were pretty uh, hamstrung in terms of roster moves they could make this offseason from ownership. Uh, like they weren't, I don't think it was going to be easy for them to take on salary they were trying to get off of Hosmer and Myers and stuff and they just don't have a ton of great options internally like like I don't believe in Haseon Kim uh, and so you know th they just broke camp with I think their their most talented players not necessarily their their best collection of big league uh, position players because I think Abrams really should be a double A or triple A right now um, so if you drafted him, it was a it was a total shot in the dark for speed, and I I get that, especially if it's like your last pick in, in a contest with an overall. But uh, not surprised at all that he's he's not really hit the ground running. Is he droppable to you? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. be totally fine dropping CJ Williams. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well. Josh Lowe is one that's a tough one for me. Because the talent we saw in the minors, 2020 upside, legit. Like, if any prospect outside of like Rodriguez and Witt and some others uh, that won't, aren't in the bigs yet deserved a chance to start the season in the bigs, Lowe had a great argument for it, like a really good one. And he finally got the call after the Meadows trade and slow start, but he seems to kind of get it going now of late. We'll see. The power still hasn't shown up yet, only one steal, but they're still playing him every day, pretty much, even versus lefties, which to me is a little promising. What's your thoughts on Josh Lowe going forward? Because it seems like the Rays are in on giving him a full run, but the Rays can always raise too. Yeah, uh, worth it's worth noting. I think uh, we had Jason Collette on the the radio show uh, last Saturday, and um, like if you just look at Lowe's um, strikeout rate or whatever, you're you're going to be like, oh man, he he might be struggling. Uh, Jason's take was that he's really seeing pitches well because uh, I mean he's walking uh, a decent amount too and he or he had been I mean he hasn't walked in a while but um, like Jason was saying that from watching every Rays game low wasn't as overmatched as it might have just looked from the surface stats and he was he looked like someone who belonged in the majors um, so that that carries some weight for me, because I've watched like one Rays game all year and Jason's probably watched most of them, if not all of them. Uh, I do think low will um, sort of settle in if given the opportunity. I wouldn't assume the Rays are going to just leave him up indefinitely. Like they, they obviously have plenty of options in the minors. Uh, if they think that he could be served by getting a little break from, from big league pitching. Um, but I think you also got to kind of keep in mind the type of player that Josh Lowe projects to be. He's not a guy like, uh, like a Julio Rodriguez uh, who we are expecting to be like a 270 hitter or 280 hitter, 290 hitter. Uh, Lowe is more of a, like I've, I've kind of made the comp of sort of peak Carlos Gomez uh, with a better OBP, like where Gomez would hit like 25, 25 with, like a 245 average, that type of thing. Like that's that's sort of the dream with Josh Lowe. He's he's always going to strike out a decent amount, so um, he needs to cut it down and kind of get it under 30. Uh, percent 
Otherwise, I think he could be set to AAA, but I, I would be patient with Lowe until the team um, makes a move. Yeah, and to be fair, in this era of baseball, 245 is not too shabby. So you, no. know, you could almost work with that. And that, that 25-25 upside, that does wonders. We've seen how many people love Robbie Grossman now because of little things like that. So um, I, I'm intrigued with them just for the fact like, and the Jason's points are great. Like you said, if anybody's going to tell you Ray's info, that's that's a great one to get it from. But um, just seeing that they keep running them out there is a, is a plus for me because we've seen the Rays platoon way too many guys. And so they want to see it too, which is kind of encouraging to see how that process plays out. Let's go to Cleveland here. Stephen Kwan took the world by storm the opening week of the season. As most would have expected, things have slowed down a little bit because uh, the sustainability rate of what took place was very difficult, but still walking a ton this season, hitting for a decent average. I, I think there's still some more regression to come with Stephen Kwan, but uh, what's your outlook on him who uh, most, I don't think expected to start the season in the, in the bigs, but here he is and he's getting some regular run with Cleveland. Yeah, we're getting kind of the full Stephen Kwan experience with uh, very high batting average, good OBP and not well, so far zero home runs, zero steals. Well, he did attempt to steal, uh, He's not a. He's not going to be like. I. I. I think I was the first person to compare him to Michael Brantley. I'm not sure, but um, that's a that, great comparison. When I heard that, though, that's so good. That that's sort of what I'm hoping for is uh, prime Michael Brantley, who was a hell of a roto player uh, when he was uh, at his absolute peak, and he's still a very serviceable uh, roto option uh, because of the batting average upside, but. Uh, I don't think like I don't think Quan is. This isn't Nick Madrigal or even Luis Arias. Like he's got more category juice than that. It's not you're not just drafting batting average and runs. Uh, I, I think if if he keeps playing every day and, and and doesn't get hurt, I think he could hit twelve homers uh, this year and maybe steal eight to twelve bases. Um, but it is the batting average and the runs that's really going to drive the the fantasy um, profile. So uh, just don't, don't get too carried away uh, with what you're expecting from him. It's really uh, two categories plus a little bit in the other three. Um, But yeah, I think he's, he's earned the right to to play every day for this. Yeah. I I like the, the Brantley comp one, one that kind of stood out to me and maybe it's, if you flip the potential home run and speed, he reminds me of a lot of like a Luis Arias sort of for for Minnesota where you're going to get the average and uh, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed and kind of see where the rest kind of sprinkles in. But um, he's intriguing, especially in, I think even, I think he's 12 team viable, but if I, obviously 15. So uh, that's been the fun discussion early on. And with Even with Josh Naylor coming back, it seems that Quan's uh, still getting his run. And that was kind of a question for at least me and a few others going into this is I guess as long as Quan hits, they're going to keep him out there. So that's uh, very promising. One that is not very promising, especially after this week of playing one of three games in Coors field, uh, Bryson Stott is off to a horrific start to this season. It's not walking much, striking out a ton, not even putting a lot of balls in play. It's just been a, a rough go for Stott where it feels like triple A's around the corner for him. Unless you're seeing something different, James. No, uh, I'm. I'm really. Uh, th- this just this happens every uh, 
every spring, like I'll, I'll bump a guy up my prospect rankings who I wasn't that big of a believer in, uh, like on my last update of the spring. And then I'll just have instant remorse about <laughs> not leaving him where I had him. Uh, and that, that's kind of the story with Stott. I, um, at a certain point, it was just kind of like, I mean, the guy just is not like the guy's just hitting like crazy at every level he's playing at. And I know uh, the competition's much worse than what I'll face in the majors, but uh, it seems like he's going to win a job. So like, he's got to be a top 35 prospect at this point. And uh, I, I regret that one. Uh, did, you know, he did absolutely rake at AAA uh, in the Arizona Fall League, in big league spring training, but um, this is a this is a prime example of just how big that gap is between those levels and the the very best of the best, uh, especially for a guy his age, twenty uh, four year old. Um, you're if you've got a decent hit tool, and he's got a he's got a I think long term he's going to have an above average hit tool at least, but. Um, if you've got a decent hit tool and you're 24, you should be able to put up um, pretty great numbers in those environments. Uh, he's, I don't think there's a ton of um, power there. Like I, th- I think he's got more power than Stephen Kwan, uh, but I don't think it's like 25 homer power long-term. So he's going to have to come close to uh, maxing out the hit tool, I think to be a, a viable everyday guy, but um, the Phillies, it's it's also just kind of a weird situation because they've been unwilling to send Alec Bohm down mm-hmm. and they're, they've been playing Johan Camargo over those guys at times. So, and they're obviously in win now mode, so they're not really in player development mode. So uh, not a perfect environment, I think for Stott to kind of figure out what, what's going wrong, but uh, I'd be okay dropping him in, in most mixed leagues. Yeah, no, that's he. I was holding on just to see how the Coors thing would go, and that that kind of just summed up my, my made my decision easier when it came to to getting rid of Stott for now. He feels like a guy that could easily, after a stint in the minors, get his head right and come up and have an impact at some point. But I don't think it's now. Like you mentioned, Alec Baum's getting playing time over him. Camargo's a real like head scratcher kind of, and then they still have Didi at short. Like there's Camargo between Camargo and Didi, they're blocking him Stott, which is pretty wild to say in one sentence. But that's where we're at right now. Let's talk some more pitching here, though. Matt Brash, like I'll be honest, I didn't know much about Matt Brash till this spring, and I know I'm not alone in that scenario. If we're not like prospect uh, heavy people, but he's looked great. His first two are really good. Let's say his first two starts, five and a third innings in both starts, two earned runs in both starts, five and six Ks. That's at home against Houston and at the Chicago White Sox. Not slouch offenses by any means. So um, I think optimism should still be pretty darn high on Matt Brash. What are you thinking on him going forward? Yeah, he's he's not a, a perfect pitching prospect, but he, I think he's really, really, really good at the things he does well, and I think that that's going to be enough to kind of carry the day. Uh, he still has only thrown two pitches through uh, two starts, but the two pitches he does throw are really, really good pitches, and uh, he's generating ton of weak contact, a ton of really ugly swings. Uh, he's 
been kind of effectively wild, I would say. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be days where he just doesn't he's not commanding his pitches, he's not getting calls, guys aren't chasing, and he'll have a short start, and he could could hurt your ratios, but. I think he's going to just rack up the K's uh, on a per inning basis. And, you know, ho- hopefully the whip can stay around one three, one two eight, something like that. Uh, but I, I think he's going to prevent runs, uh, and especially in that, that ballpark. Uh, you might want to be careful with him against, like, the Astros or something like that. But um, – of, of all the pitching prospects in the majors, he's he's right up there near the top for me in terms of guys that I trust moving forward. Yeah, no, I'm intrigued. I, I'm you know, like with all pitching prospects, I'm not going to ask you on all of them. So just so the listeners know, there will be an innings limit at some point in time. So enjoy it now because that that will happen. But the fact they're up there and getting their innings here instead of in AAA, I think, is, is a big plus for uh, the fantasy players out there. Let's talk Joe Ryan. We saw him uh, have a pretty nice season last year between. The, the the minors, the Olympics, the time in the bigs. We saw some promising things from Joe Ryan. Um, out of a lot of the prospects that had potential to start the season, we kind of knew he would start the season with the Twins. He felt, at least to me, and I could be misreading this, kind of the most confident in getting at least like a hundred and like a good amount of innings. Let's put it that way, like 140, 150 innings at least, because he's kind of put it like 110 or so together last year, give or take. Um, he started on the season pretty good. Six strong his last time out. It'll be starting today as we're recording. He might have be on the mound already or pretty soon uh, in his matchup. So, what's your thoughts on Joe Ryan, who um, has looked pretty pretty decent and if not pretty darn good so far in his early time in the bigs? Yeah, I I still think he's pitching a little above his head, but it's not it, like he's he's a guy that's just he's he's viable and all in all fantasy formats, right? Like you're, you're probably going to leave him in there against almost every team. Uh, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think he'll be getting significant. Like I don't think he'll be getting drafted significantly higher than he was this year, next year. I think he'll still be getting drafted kind of in that like 150 ish range next year. But there's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, he doesn't have um, quite the the devastating off speed stuff that I that I tend to kind of gravitate towards. But uh, not many guys have a fastball with his fastball's characteristics either. Um, I, I think there's there's going to be some worse outings um, throughout the year that, that we haven't quite seen yet from him in the majors, but. Uh, I think you're right about him. I think he, he probably gets up to like 160 innings this year if he stays healthy. And that's that's a pretty solid team context in Minnesota in the in the AL Central. So um I don't I don't think this is a crazy high ceiling, but uh just kind of a set it and forget it guy, which which is great. Yeah. And that's kind of why I liked him is I usually avoid a lot of prospects just in offensive and pitching, but uh, especially pitching because the innings limit, like going into it, if I have to pay a heavy toll for it, I'm kind of out like Shane Baz love what he can do, but I was very nervous on innings and now he's hurt even to top it off. So who knows what we get there, but Joe Ryan was one of the few. I'm like, okay, I can stomach this one. Uh, I like set it and forget it type guys. That's always nice to have on a team as well. So I'm with you on Joe Ryan, Reed Detmers, he got a lot of hype going through spring training, a lot of buzz behind him. And the first two starts have not been ideal for Reed. It's kind of bringing back flashbacks of previous starts 
in the bigs. Um, you know, they, they run the six man rotation in Anaheim. So for me, he's pretty much a drop right now. If, if you had him, but what's your thoughts on Reed Detmers? Well, I was, I was quite a bit higher on him probably than, than you were. So I, I'm, I'm going to ride it out with him. Uh, I'm a little worried because the slider and the curveball, uh, we're getting uh, a ton of whiffs last season and they haven't gotten uh, that many this year in the majors. So that's sort of the, the thing that I'm going to be looking for his next time out. Um, Cause he needs, he needs those pitches to, to kind of be his, his bread and butter. And if, if they're just playing as, as average offerings, he's not going to be very successful, but uh, I would, I would consider trying to buy low on Detmers. I'm not dropping him. I'm probably not dropping him for a couple more weeks, honestly, Um, even if he has a couple more rough outings, just because I was extremely high on him before the season. But um, there's reasons to be a little worried if you did draft him. This is why we have James on the show. See, I'm not the prospect guy. I just see the the starts. I get nervous, but he knows much more about these guys that wasn't just spring training hype uh, with some of them. Like I know the the, the popular names, but the, a lot of these other guys, especially pitching wise, it's a downfall. Like Nick Lodolo, I knew a, a good amount about, but I, I didn't think he'd be in the bigs this year. And obviously, injuries have helped with that to start the season. And it's been like an up and down deal. Like your first start was pretty rough. Second start gave up three, went five though, which I, I saw promising. And I struck out eight. So the swing and miss was there in his second go, which I think is what we expected more from Nick Lodolo. Like he might be a guy that gives up a few runs, but we expect to get those strikeouts on the back end to kind of make everything good. Uh, what's your, let me get, let me compare them together. Hunter Green has also been outstanding. So these two Reds pitchers, he Hunter Green pumping a hundred plus like on the regular. Um, so what's your thoughts on these two guys, Lodolo and Green, going forward? Because eventually Castillo's coming back. They're, they're going to need to make some room for their starting pitcher. So how do you see Lodolo and Green? Honestly, I think Lodolo is my favorite pitching prospect nice. uh, of, of all the guys we're going to talk about. Um, like Aaron Ashby doesn't count. Uh, Shane Boz is injured. But – like if I were just updating my top 400 rankings right now, Lodolo would be my third ranked pitching prospect or my second ranked pitching prospect behind Shane Dawes. Um, like I, I just love what I'm seeing from him. His unlike Detmers where I'm kind of watching for, for sort of how the, the stuff is going to play his next time out. Um, Lodolo's stuff is just, it's lights out. And, uh, I think it's it's a matter of time before he starts commanding his pitches a little bit better. Uh, that that kind of got him into trouble in that first start. Uh, he was, you know, first start first start in the majors, right? Like you, you're not going to necessarily there's jitters, there's all kinds go of out stuff. there and yeah. have your best uh, command. But uh, I think he's just really really exciting, and like I, I could see Lodolo being someone that is. Uh, borderline like top 100 pick in drafts next year and what what's fun is you know i said maybe with lodolo and green that one's got to go but in theory they have san martin who's been horrible yeah. and even victor gutierrez doesn't do it for him or vladimir gutierrez doesn't do it for him he's a lot of pitched contact so <laughs> no. in, yeah in theory green and lodolo <laughs> should actually stick but it was yeah. just weird because like before the injuries it was those two are out like they're gonna go to the minor leagues and we're gonna pitch san martin and uh gutierrez and be good with it 
And so, yeah, now, now that once I pulled up roster resource real quick, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's step back off of that one for a second and see how it goes. And, and, and Hunter Green, I didn't mention him, but, uh, like he, he's been great. Uh, probably a, a sell high candidate for me after those, those first two starts. Uh, I think there, there are going to be some, some rough ones at some point for him this year. Uh, his, his slider is, is just a, a money, money pitch. Um, but I, the change up is, is still kind of a work in progress. And uh, I think the fastball is, is always going to play a little bit below its velocity. So I, I'd be looking to maybe sell high on green, uh, but if you have him in season long or NFBC or something like that, of course you're just you're setting him in the in the lineup. Yeah, write it out while you can get those strikeouts before something else happens. But uh, uh, the last guy I believe that I have listed here that's actually still in the major leagues is Mackenzie Gore, who got the call up after the Snell injury. We know Clevenger's on the IL, and they're both injury prone guys. Clevenger coming off TJ and it's already issues going on there. Um, Gore's gone five innings in both starts, got the strikeouts this last time, which is expected facing the Reds these days, but still look, it was good to see him do that because we saw it in the minors. We saw it in spring training. We know the tools there. Do you think Gore sticks or does he become a casualty when guys come back from the IL? And are you optimistic in how he performs the rest of the season if he does stick? Uh, I think he will. <laughs> I think if he's, if he's, I mean, this is kind of obvious, but if he's yeah. if he's pitching pretty well, like if, if he's got a four ERA or better, I don't see him going anywhere. Um, but I I would just say be be careful here. I, it's a really really good story. Uh, he could not have had a worse year last year. Uh, just in all facets of being a starting pitcher, he was pretty miserable. Uh, but he clearly put the time in this off season to uh, get better or kind of get back to what he was doing before last season. Um, so it's, it's awesome. It's a, it's a great story. Uh, you gotta be happy if you drafted him, but uh, just be careful. I mean, you, you mentioned that, that matchup against the Reds. Uh, we didn't mention this in the Moustakas India news, but right now I, I would just be, loading up pitching against the Reds in fantasy, uh, even in Cincinnati, uh, especially just given the way the ball is playing. Um, that's that's a lineup you want to go after right now. So um, be careful with Gore, but it's so far I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by how well he's pitching. You you pretty much summed up my thoughts on Gore because I talked about him on Tuesday's show because I went and got him on a, in a couple of fab leagues. Like I didn't, all my bids were like $90 and below. Like I wasn't breaking the bank to get him. But my mindset was if he's pitching well, He's going to stick. And what when he pitches well, there's a pretty good return from that. Now, if it goes poorly, he goes down. So I knew the risk reward to the pick, to the, to the addition to the team. But um, I'm very intrigued. Obviously, the red starts outstanding, but uh, we'll see where it keeps going with Gore because it, it seems like he's got a very low floor, but a pretty high ceiling, too. So a lot of in between with McKenzie Gore. Uh, there is one more name I forgot because he's pitching out of the bullpen, but Mike, he's getting stretched out. It feels like Ronzi Contreras of Pittsburgh. We've uh, there's a lot of buzz on the Twitter sphere about him. Three innings in each of his last two appearances, five Ks in both of those appearances. Um, what's your thoughts? Like, do you think the Pirates eventually do stretch him out to join the rotation? Is he just going to be like a maybe a Whitlock type this year? Uh, and then how? Do, so how does that change your outlook on fantasy for him? I mean, he's a, he's a stud. Uh, 
I think, and, and this is sort of a theme with a lot of uh, pitchers this year, whether they're in the minors or they're in the majors, uh, they were going to have to manage Contreras' innings somehow this year, uh, whether they were skipping starts or uh, sending him to extend it or whatever. Like, it's it's not like they were just going to put him in the big league rotation and just give him the ball every fifth day and let him pitch like a normal starting pitcher. So one way or another, they were probably going to limit him to like 120 to 140 innings. And so this is what they're doing right now. But I, in, in Roto Leagues, especially uh, 15-team Roto Leagues, I would be scooping him up if he hasn't already been picked up. Because there's value, there is value in those Whitlock mm-hmm. uh, type of guys where you're not exactly sure what the role is going to be, but if you have them in your lineup, you can be pretty confident in the ratios and the strikeouts and then vulturing wins here and there, maybe even a save here and there. So uh, in deeper mixed leagues, I think you got to have them on your roster. And then if he does get put into the rotation and become a traditional starting pitcher, then you're, then you're gold. Yeah, and I, I like I've, I've been a fan of doing that for a few years now with the way pitching's kind of been limited on innings and trying to maybe vulture a win or a worse get ratios and strikeouts. Another uh, pitcher in that vein that's a young young arm that's being pretty productive and might get stretched out too uh, with Atlanta Spencer Strider. Yep, is I, I, I when we started talking, I'm like, oh, I forgot to put him down, and I actually added him in a couple leagues for like twenty to thirty bucks this past week, just kind of a spec uh, on rosters where I had room. Um, do you have like a similar outlook on him as you do for Contreras? Is he like slightly below him or, or what's your look on a strider uh i think strider is currently in the best role for him like i think like Contreras is a starter to me long term uh no no question and strider i think is better as a multi-inning reliever and given atlanta's depth uh, i think that they are probably just going to roll with that unless they deal with some injuries uh, another guy that maybe we should mention in this role is Clark Schmidt, uh, yeah. who was pretty good his last time out too. Uh, not exactly sure how the Yankees are going to use him, but yeah, where, wherever you can find these, um, you know, three inning relievers, uh, especially when it, especially when their usage kind of lines up for, they're probably going to use this guy Monday or Tuesday, and then maybe they'll use him again the weekend like that's that's a really strong strategy especially in 15 teams definitely most definitely uh we can kind of roll through these guys just kind of get some bullet points on them if you want uh for the giants helio romos uh he got a call which honestly surprised me as a giants fan i didn't expect him until maybe late in the season if not next season i thought they kind of slow play it with him because of what's going on with the team but they they needed some fill-ins but then he already got sent back down didn't look the most comfortable but didn't look horrible at the play like i didn't expect a ton uh, what's your thoughts on him? Because eventually I think he will get some run later this season, but uh, he doesn't have much more to prove the minors at least. Yeah. I think that was just a matter of how many injuries they had in the majors and him being on the 40 man already. Yeah, like, point. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that like, I think he was always going to just get sent back down. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe if he hit like 500 or something that he would have left him up, but uh yeah, I think your original sort of guess as to when he would be up late in the season, I think that that would be kind of when I would see him maybe getting a legitimate look as a, as a regular for them, uh, assuming that he's performed well at AAA. Uh, 
he's been a, he's been a tough guy for me to figure out as a prospect, but uh, you know, it, it sounded like he had a good spring. Uh, there were some reports coming out uh, that he had uh, kind of remade his body a little bit in the off season, but um, I'm I'm not a full believer in Ramos long term, but. He is on the 40, and the Giants are excellent at developing talent. Yeah, so yeah, we'll see how that goes. Like, I'd rather see a – they have a slew of prospects I'm looking forward to seeing. So it's uh, it's coming soon, which is a rarity for me as a fan, being the Giants, to see a slew of prospects coming our way. But um, let's talk O'Neal Cruz. This is one of the guys that most people or a lot of people were very angry that did not make the starting roster for the Pirates. And so far in the minors, he's scuffling a bit, hitting a buck seventy-five, no homers, four steals. Um, they said he needs to work on his outfield. He's playing a lot more at shortstop, so who knows? Um, when do you think we see him, and is it worth stashing him now? Like, what's your thoughts on O'Neill Cruz, who we know the power speed's there, but right now the question mark is when? Yeah, I think whether we're talking a guy at AAA like Cruz or even, um, you know, guys at low A, high, or high A, um, look at where the affiliate is and what the weather's been like in April. And if it's a guy in the mid playing in the Midwest, uh, like Cruz is, I would just not look at the numbers really. Like I, I live in the Midwest and I can't imagine uh, having to play baseball outside. Uh, like, especially if I grew up in the Dominican Republic being asked yeah. to play baseball in April in like 35 degree weather where it might be like raining or sleeting or something like it's just, it's, it's a miserable uh, setting to be trying to do that. So uh, I would, I would throw out his numbers um, so far this year and I would keep stashing him if possible. Uh, They might not give him the call if he's hitting under the Mendoza line, but even if he doesn't get the call till, mid-May, I think the the power speed potential with him is just really, really appealing. And so you don't want to be taking zeros in your lineup just to just to stash him. But if, if you have a spot and you can you can hold on to him, I'd, I'd keep holding. All right, let's talk Adley Rushman. We know he's kind of, you know, banged up and eventually we'll get going. But do you think once he's healthy and ready to roll, he gets the call right away? Or are we kind of are – are the Orioles going to keep slow playing this? Like, is he worth – you usually don't want to stash a third catcher anywhere, but we know the talent that Rushman brings to the table. Yeah, well, I, I my guess uh, this whole time has sort of been that they will send him to AAA for like two weeks, and then they'll bring up him and Grayson Rodriguez together. Uh, I just, you know, don't expect – like I think you, you can keep stashing him, but just look at what's happening with Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez and – like, you know, even Spencer Torkelson, it's not like he's hitting 260, 270. Just don't don't be under the assumption that, okay, as soon as Adley's up, he's going to hit 275 for me and he's just going to be hitting homers every week. Like, he could struggle. Like, any of these guys can struggle. So he's talented enough to keep stashing. Uh, I don't think he's up until sometime in May, uh, maybe mid-May. Uh, but just don't be surprised if he goes through some, some growing pains as well. 
Um, yeah, Joey Bart, first example, growing pains. It's lots of fun watching him striking out at least 53% of the time, but um, we'll see how that one keeps going. Uh, you mentioned Grace Rodriguez, so we'll hit on him here. Uh, he's looked phenomenal with the O's. And the funny thing is, is the O's have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball so far in the early season stats that you look at, which is a, a befuddling to many. But um, we'll see how that continues. There's obviously a spot for him in Baltimore. So is he a guy when he gets the call, you're like, like, how do you compare him to some of the earlier guys we've talked about that are already up with teams, pitching-wise? Uh, Talent-wise, he's uh, as good, if not better, than, than all of them. Uh, but I would – you know, there's something to be said for, like, Nick Lodolo being healthy and in the big league rotation and being a guy that you're getting fantasy production from right this minute. Um, I don't think, like I said, I think Rodriguez and Rutschman are both up in like mid to late May. And, uh, if, if Rodriguez is healthy, uh, and gets that call, he could be awesome. He could be a guy that you're even starting in like a 10 team league. Uh, but, and then also I think worth noting is, uh, the Baltimore, the, the home park, it's been a, kind of a pitcher's paradise so yeah. far this year. So it's not a it's not a scary home park to have a starting pitcher um, set up to play in. So I think that's worth noting as well. It has been nice for Baltimore that park. Plus they could go to Oakland for four. That'll help a lot of pitching staff's numbers out in a, in a big big way. So we'll see when they have to go play like four in Yankee Stadium, then travel to Toronto and, and see how that that fun begins. Uh, a couple more here. I'll group them together. We got Tristan Cassis of Boston. We know the power is there. He's got three homers already this year, hitting 239. You mentioned the Royal struggles, like they got the Nick Prados, the MJ Melendezes of the world that we're all looking forward to, but uh, that time's going to come because you'd think Prado over Carlos Santana makes a ton of sense to most. So we'll see how that plays out. And then I'll throw Nolan Gorman as another bat in there who's just crushing baseballs right now. I know you're good, he's good buddies with the Welsh like I am, and he's tweeting out videos and all this stuff about Gorman, and it's been – Impressive to see, but is, is there any house at the end type situation for uh, for Gorman? So how do you you see these hitters or any other hitters of interest for you that we might see at some point this year for fantasy? Uh, the one I'm most excited for is Casas. Uh, I don't I don't know when we see him with Boston. Obviously, they've got a ton of talent on that roster, so you got to find a spot for him. Uh, but I I think he could. He's just a, an absolute mashing. Savant and he, like I, I think Casas could be better than Torkelson long term. Mm, I, I think like those that. guys are are kind of a coin flip to me. Um, Gorman, you know, he's just ripping homers every other game, but he's also striking out. Like he's either he's either hitting a home run or he's striking out at teams. So um, I don't think the Cardinals are gonna be in a rush to bring him up unless they deal with some injuries. Uh, the Kansas City guys, I, the guy I'm really watching right now is Vinny Pascantino, mm-hmm. uh, who he's got the nickname uh, Italian Breakfast, but I, Clay and I think that it should be Italian Beef um, because I, I know what Italian Beef is. I yeah, I was going to say, what's Italian, Italian Breakfast? I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm going to just start calling him Italian Beef because he's, like he's, a, he's a big guy a big, strong DH type. And he's one of the only Royals prospects at AAA who's actually um, producing with a good approach right now. He's walking way more and he's striking out. 
uh, for a for a six four slugger to have a strikeout rate below fifteen percent and a walk good. rate of almost twenty percent is really impressive for me. Uh, Prado, on the other hand, is is striking out way too much. Uh, Melendez, I think he's gotten off to a slow start, but I think Melendez will, will hit a groove here and he'll probably be up around June. Um, I think that's pretty much all the guys you mentioned there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I, I forgot to even put Vinny Peak. I've seen his name out there, but I would love to know what Italian breakfast is. If anybody that's <laughs> listening can tell me what that is, because I am baffled when you said that. I'm like, what? Like, what? There's got to be a great locker room story or something that goes with that that got him the nickname. I have no idea. But what I would recommend doing is call your people that you might know in Kansas City and get that patented for Italian beef and make shirts now because that's a catchy <laughs> name that could run if the dude is 6'4 and a monster. Like, that's a, it makes too much sense, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's an easy one. Like, as a big guy like myself, I can understand the Italian beef comment. That That, that works for sure. Uh, let's get a couple listener questions in here, and we'll we'll wrap it up. Uh, Joe G, he asked, with all the spec bullpens and shared closer jobs that managers are messing with these days, what about Jorge Lopez from Baltimore? He did get an inning and two-thirds last night and got the save on Wednesday night. Um, maybe the chances won't be plentiful, but it seems that he is the closer. He'd be like a third closer in deep roto. You good with Jorge Lopez? I know there's going to be some rough ones, but overall he is the closer for now. Yeah, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, he has the job. That's like 75% of the battle when it comes to relievers. And uh, he was a guy that I like, I was really high on Jorge Lopez uh, back when he was a pitching prospect like six, seven years ago. Uh, and obviously, at Baltimore I was able to just kind of throw him out as a starter, um, kind of out of what he should have been doing probably the past uh, few years. But uh, the way that park is playing now, um, and the way the ball is playing, uh, yeah, I think Lopez in leagues, in roto leagues, he should be rostered and started, and I'd feel pretty good about him. Yeah, I'm with you. If, if we're rostering and starting guys like Daniel Bard, there's no reason why you can't yeah. start Jorge Lopez. Let's just yeah. be real about this. <laughs> so yeah. I, I was kind of surprised on recent, uh, like the past week, when people were like, oh, you shouldn't really about Like, if we're doing Bard, and with the save landscape as it is, let's <laughs> let's get let's get with this one here. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack Squat asked a question. I picked up Profar in a 12-team roto league. He's having a nice start. He has fourth home run Wednesday night. What are your thoughts on rest of the season? Because we've seen Profar have hot streaks before, but usually things all come back to the norm for Profar. Um, and the crazy thing is, as you know, as a prospect guy, he's only like 27. The dude feels like he's been around forever. Um, it's his 10th year, I guess, in the bigs. But um, what's your thoughts on Profar rest of the way? Yeah, he's he's twenty nine, but 29, still, sorry, yeah. um, still young. I mean, still, I mean, he debuted at nineteen, um, so like, he, <laughs> uh, ride the hot end I mean, for sure, right? If you if you're able to pick up Profar, then just roll with him uh, while he's on this heater. I am pretty encouraged by the fact that he's got the four homers and that he's walking at a career best rate right now. Uh, it's been really tough to get homers so far in fantasy baseball, which is a weird thing to say, but like I, I've got lots of players who I thought would have at least one or two homers at this point, and he's already got four. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd be starting him in pretty much any format right now until he cools off. Yeah. Four homers. He has a steal. You know, you mentioned the 16% walk rate only striking out 16%. He's hitting 256 with a 214 BABIP, which is pretty interesting to see. 
But, um, yeah, and they're hitting him like fifth or sixth most days, which it's not the greatest of lineups, but that's a plus. He's barreling the ball. Yeah. It's like, and that, that lineup, that lineup is not deep. And so I think at the very least, this hot start has got him locked into playing time, right? Yeah, definitely. Because once the platoon guy might be a, 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 a stay for now. Uh, Joe G has another question, real quick. Uh, one stash for this year. Who would you stash? Luis Garcia of the Nats, Tristan Casas of the Red Sox, Alec Thomas of the D backs. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'll, I'll say Casas. I just think he's got the most impact potential once he's up. Uh, I don't think Thomas is off to that great a start. Uh, let me just double check that. Um, yeah, no, he's he's doing fine. Um, but I, I just think Casas is the type of guy that could just be a an impact piece this year, where I think the other two could be guys that you're starting. But um, yeah, give give me Casas. Sweet. Uh, Ryan Roof, coworker of yours at Rotowire. We kind of hit on most of this, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask it real quick. Does Nolan Gorman's early power surge earn him a spot soon, or does he still strike out too much and liability defensively to be impactful at the big league level? Is he more 2023 contributor with pool holes and others DHing? Yeah. The one thing I would add to sort of what I already said, I don't think he's, he needs an injury or maybe even two injuries to, to be up and playing every day. But I, I think Gorman would really flop in the majors this year uh, because of that that swing and miss. So even if he got the call sooner than we're expecting, you plug him into your lineup and he'd probably hurt your batting average and then you'd drop him. So I, I definitely think he's a 2023 guy for, for um, redraft. Uh, Simon P has two questions and he, he plays a lot of dynasty and a lot of like only leagues. So he has some always off the wall ones. So he's perfect for this. First one is Peyton Burdick is 25 and making a little noise on the farm. Is there any room for him on uh, a roster or does he need to be traded from the Marlins organization to get a shot? What can we expect from him when he is called up this year? Yeah, you know, he's uh, the Marlins, I think, like him more than I do. Uh, but they also at full strength, there's, there's nowhere for him to play. So he – probably needs an injury um again like i think this is just kind of a refrain that i'm going to just be saying um indefinitely like if you're a 24 25 year old verdict's 25 the strikeout rate at triple a it should be below 20 percent for you to have any faith in that guy um having success in the majors and verdicts is at 26 percent so um, it's just that translates over to like a 38% strikeout in the majors to me, given his age. That makes a ton of sense. I guess I, it makes too much sense that I haven't even, I should have used it more often for guys. Like you mentioned the, the wit thing, he's striking out 22, 24% in the minors. Why wouldn't he strike out more? Like it makes a ton of sense in that regard. And then Simon's other question is every year, older guys like Schwindel and Ortega pop up out of nowhere. Is this because the systems they've come from are not very good or are they just guys who never get a fair shot? Any guys that fit that bill this year for the NL? Maybe Adderlin Rodriguez or someone else? Yeah, this was a tough question. I was going to – if I had more time, I would have done a bit more research to like come up with um, some some good names. Um, but I, to me, it's it, – like with uh, Schwindel, I think that was a case of a guy just putting in the time in the offseason to, to make himself better. 
uh, not necessarily with the help of the team. And then with both he and Ortega, you just you have a, a rebuilding team that was just given at bats to whoever was on the Triple A roster, like yeah. after they after they traded everybody. Yeah. Uh, so you you want to be looking at teams that are that have playing time available. Uh, so like Adderlin, uh Rodriguez, he's with the the Padres. I don't I don't see them going down that road. Uh, unless they just do a complete fire sale. And even then, he's, he's not performing well enough at AAA, and he's 30 years old. So I, I think you want to be looking at guys that are um, – if, if they're going to be older guys, you probably want them to be walking as much, if not more, than they're striking out at AAA. And you want to look at teams that are uh, either clearly rebuilding now um, or going to be rebuilding come August and September. And even the teams like, like the Pirates, they're not going to give – some journeyman 26 27 year old guy a job because they just have all these prospects they're not amazing prospects but they're prospects at triple a like those are the guys who can get, get at bats for a team like that so um not necessarily the type of player that you're going to be able to pinpoint until they're already up and in the big league lineup yeah it's, it's a tough one for sure but uh he makes a good point it was tough to like you got these older guys that came up but like even the A's, they pretty much there's a couple more guys they can sell, but they've Eric Thames would be the only one that comes off the top of my head. But they're not gonna they're gonna have a lot of other options, I'd imagine. What, Cubs are doing Cubs things. Pirates is I, I guess D backs maybe. I've I've seen Matt Davidson out there a lot, his name, but he's still well, not a big walk guy. So one guy, one guy that I'll, you mentioned the A's, um, like just I don't know, keep it keep an eye on what Sheldon Noisy's doing. I like uh, that call. He's he's 27, so not he's that old already. Wow. Yeah. Um, like the A's are a perfect team for this because uh, they don't have a ton of prospect talent at AAA. So they like I I drafted a bunch of like Tony Kemp this year yep. uh, just because I knew he was going to be playing a ton and leading off, and so that that's the type of team where you want to just kind of look at who's getting playing time at the big league level. And if you're in a deeper league, you know, take a swing on a guy like Noisy who's producing right now. And they have Noisy playing first base a lot. He's got third base eligibility already. I watched a couple other games earlier this week, and um, they're giving him a shot. And his hit tool, it's not the worst in the world. The potential is there. So I'm with you. A couple at-bats could, could open that one up, and he's probably available in a lot of leagues right now. So keep that in mind, too. Uh, but, James, we're going to wrap it up there. As always, it is a pleasure having you join me uh, before we take off. Again, plug everything you got going on and where the fine folks can find you. Yeah, Bubba, thanks again for having me. This was this was fun. Um, rotowire.com slash try for a free 10-day trial, and you don't need to give us a credit card. Uh, prospect rankings, they were updated you know, a few weeks ago. Uh, but there's going to be a huge update, the one that everyone's going to be all excited for uh, just before Memorial Day. And that'll, you know, have all the, the breakout guys from the minors and we'll, we'll have graduated a lot of these guys that are in the majors right now. So uh, that'll be a fun one. And then I do the Prospect Podcast every Wednesday, uh, Roadwire Prospect Podcast. You should be able to find that in wherever you're downloading your pod- podcast from. And uh, Farm Fridays with Clay Link on SiriusXM uh, from noon to two eastern all right well everybody check out james where you can like you said on twitter at real jr anderson and all the great stuff at rotowire.com 
And again, thanks for joining me. And we will do this again sometime, my friend. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 465 with James Anderson talking prospects. Catch you guys later. Yeah.